0: Amen. Thank you, Sean's, for reading that. And welcome this morning, those of you who are here and joining on livestream. It's great to be with you as we continue our sermon series in 1 John. I hope what you're beginning to see is John is all about tangible faith. Faith not that we don't just say or confess with our mouths, but the fruit of our faith, which our lives should demonstrate. So I want to ask you this morning, what shape is your love in? What shape is your love in? What does your love look like? Because what we're going to see is love from God produces love for others. So I want to give you a couple examples of love from our culture, from our church, and see kind of where you fit in. So according to Billboard's Top 100 Songs of 2020, the number two song was the song Circles by Post Malone. Never thought I would mention that in a sermon, but here we go. If you don't know who Post Malone is, ask a teenager, ask a young person. They will be sure to fill you in. But he offers a definition of what many in our culture believe love is. And I think sometimes what we find ourselves believing love is as well. So I want to just read for you the chorus of that song. Again, this is the number two song of 2020. Seasons change and our love went cold Feed the flame because we can't let it go. Run away, but we're running in circles. Run away. I dare you to do something. I'm waiting on you again so I don't take the blame. Let go. I got a feeling that it's time to let go. I knew that this was doomed from the get go. And in this song, you hear somebody for whom love is simply a matter of emotion, however much willpower and emotion that you can conjure up to give to somebody else. The problem is, when that runs out, love is something to be abandoned and walked away from. And let's take it out of the realm of music. Let's take it out of the realm of even romantic love. What is the shape of your love? when you drive because perhaps one of the most me-centered things we can possibly do today in America on the East Coast in the 21st century is go for a drive now I'm saying this because this is this is my struggle as well as many of our teenagers know uh, Jake doesn't talk when he drives for very good reason, because driving is all about how can I get from point A to point B the most efficient, the fastest, most comfortable way possible, and as soon as somebody gets in my way, well, now it's judgment time. We use phrases like get out of the left lane, right? I love you when you're in the right lane as long as you're not impeding on me, because then it's just, it's just way too hard to love. When you got someplace that's really, really important that you have to be, it's too hard to let somebody in, Right? It's very me-centered. As soon as love becomes you and I as the source, it becomes a matter of the will, and we find that it runs out pretty quick. And if you don't drive, you can really see this in your pets, right? You love your dog, you love your cat, but as soon as they break the rules of the house, um, it's, it's judgment day. As soon as you go to the bathroom in the house, as soon as they chew something that they're not supposed to, right, our love changes in an instant. Back in quarantine, one of my roommates adopted a dog. So for nine months, we got to live with Cody the dog. And Cody the dog was, he was five years old, so he wasn't a puppy, but he knew that there was one rule in the house, and that is you don't go to the bathroom in the house because then it's judgment day. Well, my roommate moved out because he got married. He took Cody the dog with him. And last weekend, we got custody rights of Cody the dog for one night. And it was great because Cody the dog followed the one rule. Because a lot of times, especially the way that I feel towards Cody the dog, is uh, if Cody the dog loves me, then I love him and we're cool. If he lets me pet him, all right, we're cool. Uh, As soon as he goes to the bathroom, we are no longer cool. We have a problem. And it's fun when it's Cody the dog, but oftentimes we find that with the way that we treat our kids or our spouses or our parents too, isn't it? Let's just say hypothetically we got locked in our homes and couldn't go anywhere for, say, 13 months. Uh, If there's there's anybody here who didn't have any kind of friction or problems... (laughs) You can come up and and finish because that's just simply, this is simply not true, right? We use phrases like the love ran out, like eventually it got too hard and we had nothing left to give. That is love with us as the source. And what I think John is doing is he's offering us a better love because he's offering us a better source. I want you to hear an example of that in the early church in the second century AD under Emperor Hadrian, who was a pagan. He was very intrigued by this emerging cult of weird people known as followers of the way, who would later become known as Christians. So what he does is he sends somebody in to kind of spy out and see what the deal is on these people. That man's name was Aristides. He gets in, he sees what's up with the church, and then he reports back to the emperor in a letter known as the Apology of Aristides. And this is what he says. He's so blown away. He says, see how they love one another. Orphans are taken in. Widows are cared for. The poor are given food. And the climax of his letter is this statement. And see, because of them, good flows on in the world. So perplexed, many believe that Aristides actually became a convert to Christianity because he could not Believe the amount of love that people had for each other. And this isn't, just a, this isn't just an early church thing. This happens in our walls as well. In the youth ministry, we're doing a, a week camp this summer because we haven't been able to do too many events. And I cannot tell you the amount of people who have come up and gone, hey, Jake, that's a, that's a really good idea. That's also a really expensive idea. So, Here's a check. I want you to help send kids to camp who, who can't afford to go. What is that? That is, that is love that is not coming from yourself. That is love that is not simply an act of the will. It's love that comes from a different source, and it's not just money either. I've grown up in the church. I've been around the church a long time. I've, I've read God's word a lot. I've studied it under intense circumstances a lot, but can I honestly tell you the The biggest impact in my life that the gospel had was growing up in my parents' church. There was a woman in her 80s who knew when I wasn't there. She knew when I wasn't there. She was a matriarch of the church, and she would stop conversations when she saw me coming just to say that she was praying for me, just to ask how I was doing. That's not something that you can just force yourself into doing, but that is somebody who has been given a different source of love. That is not the way that our culture understands love. Because love from God produces love for others. So I want you to look with me at John's opening exhortation. It's in verses 7 and 8. It says this, John says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So right off the bat, John poses a problem. If love is something that you and I have to conjure up in and of ourselves, if it's an act of sheer emotion and will, then according to John, there are times when we don't love, so... There are times when we don't know or love God. Do you see the problem? If love is simply an act of will, if you are the source of your own love, then the minute that you don't love God, the minute that you don't love others, I'm sorry, you, John's saying you can't love God because we're gonna see love for God is incompatible with not loving your neighbor, with not loving others. Therefore, what John is doing is he's helping us see that we need a better understanding of what it means to love God and to love others. We need a better source of love. So, maybe a better question for you this morning isn't what shape is your love in, but what is the source of your love? Because the source of your love will determine the shape of your love. The source of your love will determine the shape of your love. And here, John says, God is love. Now, I feel like I need to, we need to kind of deconstruct that for a minute because you've probably seen that verse either on social media or on a billboard or on a picket sign, and it's used to ignore sin. It's used to, to say we can't judge anybody because God is love, so God is just complete acceptance, and that's not what John is saying. Rather, what John is saying is love is the basis for which we can encounter God. If it weren't for the love of God, we wouldn't know him. God is love because he is the ultimate source of it. Not because simply to love means to be God. He's so much bigger than that. Love must be consistent with the character of God. He raises the bar. So if your love is not consistent with the character of God, meaning it does not produce sacrificial love for others, then we don't love So can I just say it plainly this way? If you're a God person, but not a people person, you don't know God. If you're a God person and you're not in and about and for people, then John is saying you don't know God. But please hear me, I didn't say extrovert. Because love is not a personality trait. It is the effects of knowing a person. So I hope you're beginning to see this theme in First John. Where John will, in a sense, just drop a bomb on people and say, here's what you're saying, here's how you're not living it. And yet, in all of that, he's not leading you to despair. He's not leading you to guilt or to shame because it's precisely in your can't you're ready to hear news of a Savior. It's precisely when we come to the end of ourselves, when we find ourselves going, hey, the love the love ran out. Well, now you're ready to hear about a better source of love. Now you're ready to live for something else. So John does this in three ways. He gives the definition of God's love. He talks about the transformation of God's love. And then he points us to the completion of God's love. So the definition of God's love, the transformation of God's love, and the completion of God's love. We'll Start with the definition of God's love. Look with me at verses 9 through 12 if you have a copy of your Bibles. He says this, this is how God shows his love among us. He sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, as a covering for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And we see the definition of God's love is rooted in the example of God's love in Jesus. J.I. Packer puts it this way, the love which God shows to men and which Christians know and rejoice in is the revelation of his own inner being. Love is not simply an emotion. It is an inner being of God. It is the character of God. And he displays his love on the cross. Another commentator puts it this way because his very nature is love, then mercy and goodness flow from God like a beautiful river as the sunlight radiates from the sun. Love, real love, has its ultimate source and origin in God. It is not an abstract concept, but a concrete action. That concrete action is the cross, and it's demonstrated to be replicated. We would not know love if it hadn't first been shown to us. Here, John clarifies, love is not something that we can achieve in and of ourselves, as if we could just conjure up enough emotion for somebody else that we become aware of them and we start to serve them as we've been accustomed to. Rather, love is an action that God demonstrates to us and then out of sheer grace, he enables us to replicate that action to someone else. But it always follows God doing so for us first. I try and tell our students all the time, God does not ask you or me to do anything that he hasn't already infinitely done for you first in Christ. So when God says love one another, it's because you and I have been so loved by him. And the standard of God's love is the cross. It's kind of like a cup if you have a cup full of water, that cup can only pour out what has first been poured in. Or think of it this way. I'm a 90s kid, so we didn't drink juice boxes. Uh, we drank Capri Suns. There was nothing better on a summer. day. They still make them. Like, I think you guys know what Capri Suns are, a lot of kids. Yep. Okay. There was nothing better on a summer day than it had to be the Pacific cooler flavor. Everything else is, sorry, everything else was a waste of time. But nothing was better. And I always got the one that was the least full because I was always done first. And it was like two seconds. You ever have a Capri? They don't put enough in those things. And as soon as you get it, it is exhausted. And then like, you know, you have that endless struggle where there's actually nothing left in there, but you're still sucking through the straw. So then all of the air collapses around the, around the pouch. And then you squeeze it. And you're, you're trying to wring it dry. And well, that's, that's us with being the source of our own love. You will come to a place where like that Post Malone song says where you are exhausted where there's nothing else to give and we use phrases like well the love the love just ran out. If you feel like the love has run out this morning then you're in the right place. And you've probably been living with love. You've probably been living with yourself as the source of your love. Because we cannot truly love until we experience true and holy love for ourselves first. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5.8. That God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's what that means. What's our part in the love of God? We provided the sin that made the love of God necessary. That's your and my part. We provided the sin that made the cross necessary necessary. It isn't until we come to the foot of the cross that we find the transformation of our hearts. Because God doesn't simply show us his love, but he also is transforming us by it. Look with me again at, at 1 John 4, verses 13 through 16. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. The love of God in our lives is made manifest through the spirit living inside of us. For those of us who are in Christ, God literally takes up residence in you and me and enables something that we couldn't do. He's the better source. He's the one for whom love never runs out because his standard of love is the cross. It's this spirit, as Pastor Bill taught last week, that points us to the cross And after we've evaluated this spirit, that's what he does. That's why we can find love outside of ourselves because he points us back to the cross. He's the sign of authenticity and the power of the Holy Spirit of God living in the people of God brings genuine love for God and for others. And it's not based on how much emotion we can conjure up for Jesus. It's not based on how many times you can raise your hand in a song, or not raise your hand, or sit, or stand. It's about an act of grace that God is doing in your heart and in your life to transform you it's completely contrary to the way that our culture sees love. We see it as emotion, we see it as something that we we just have to get back to. We just have to conjure up enough effort and if we if we try really really hard then we can feel love for somebody. And it's just flat out exhausting. It's flat out exhausting. Yet by the power of the cross, God comes and takes up residence In his people, enables them to do things that they could never do, enables us to love in ways that we could never love before because we're not the center of it. You can't give what you don't have. So God places his spirit inside of you, and the spirit confirms our conversion. We know that we have received the spirit because the fruit of our faith is love for others. Again, the source of your love determines the shape of your love. So what does your love look like this morning? How has your love been transformed by the presence of God dwelling inside of you? It doesn't mean you're perfect, but how do you love more now than you did last week? How do you love more now than you did last year or 10 years or before you knew the Lord? And the more that you love, the more it produces confidence that God is doing a work inside of you. And all of that love, if it's genuine, it bears witness to the cross. The ultimate end of our love is the cross. It's what fuels it. It's what drives love for others. It's the only thing that can because it's the only source of love that can't be exhausted because it's the only source of love that doesn't depend on you or me. And saying must lead to living. We become people who abide in love, meaning the love of God becomes the basis for your life, which leads to love for others. So here's what loving others looks like. It looks like you love out of the overflow and the abundance that God first showed towards you. Paul said it this way, see the love that God has for us that he would lavish upon us. He's generous with his love that we would be called the sons and the the daughters of God. It transforms our identity. And out of the overflow of the love of the cross, we can love others. It's like if you fill a cup till it runs over and out of the overflow of that, water runs down. Out of the overflow of the love that God has for us, we love others. And yet, if God's love only transformed, then the rest would still be up to us. It would still be, okay, so now uh, you've been shown it. He's doing a work inside of you. Keep it going. Figure it out. Yet that's not what God does. That's not what God does. But by the power of his spirit, by an act of grace, those of us who have been made new in Jesus, who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of us and are enabled to love others, he also puts us on a trajectory towards its ultimate completion. Where one day, as John says in Revelation 21, we will see him and we will be like him. He's faithful to complete that work. He's faithful to complete it. Look with me again, 1 John 4, verses 17 through 21. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Let me me read that one more time. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. In this world, we are like Christ. Isn't that the mission of the church? That we would be a people so enamored by the love of God, so full of the love of God, that out of the overflow of that, we love other people. And people know Jesus because they've seen us. We, as John says in John chapter 1, become that which people have seen and heard concerning the word of life. I just ask you this morning, how are you doing with that? How would your friends understand Jesus because of you? How would your neighbors understand Jesus because of you? Are you the tangible gospel for them? Well, you are. The question is, what gospel? What gospel? How do others know Jesus based on your life? And here's the thing. I'm pretty sure none of us in this room are going, well, they know the cross. Well, they know him perfectly. Uh, can I just take the liberty to say, we're all probably, we're all probably squirming a little bit? Because we all probably have at least one person in our mind where we go, oh, I don't like what they think. I, I don't like how they see Jesus because of me. And yet, John says, completed love eradicates fear. If you're here this morning and you don't like the way that people understand Jesus because of you, then hear the words of the reformer Martin Luther. If consciousness of a great sin weighs you down, then comfort yourself with the blood of love. No human religion can hold its own in the face of judgment. But it is solely by the blood of Christ that we can have confidence in the day of judgment. God's love in us comes to its fullest fruition in how we love others. Two things mark the life of a believer love for God, which produces love for others. What if that was us? What if Chelton? was a place so marked by the love of God that that love actually followed us outside of these doors, got in our cars with us, talked to our neighbors with us, went to work with us, talked to our bosses, talked to the people that we manage. What if that was us? So let me ask you, what shape is your love in? What is the source of your love? What do you do when you find yourself not loving others? Because you might be here today going, Jake, this is too hard. I have way too much hurt in my life that takes way too much effort. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. I've tried this before and it just doesn't work. I'm exhausted. I can't find it. Every time I try, I get burned or I get taken advantage of. I don't, I can't do it. Maybe you feel like you're at the end of yourself. Well, if that's you, I want to invite you, come to the foot of the cross. Come to the foot of the cross and be reminded of the love that God has for you. Because you see, this is not an I'll do better attitude. This is not a I'll try harder because we can't. We know this. We can't, yet we still try. Rather, what the gospel does is it invites you to the feet of the cross. It invites you to the feet of Jesus You come to the cross and you you see your need. Then you look to the empty tomb and you see that you have a risen Savior who has done everything. And there is no need to be afraid of God. There is no need to fear the retribution of God because if you are in Christ, then the wrath of God has been exhausted on the cross. When the Bible talks about fear the Lord, What it means is know who God is and know who you are in relation. And when you come to him, know who he is and know who you are. And yet John also says, we love because he first loved us. So the minute that you find yourself exhausted, the minute that you find that you have been the source of love and it's running out, come back to the cross. Remember that you would not know love if it weren't for God. Remember that by his grace, God does not love us the way that we love him. By his grace, he doesn't love us the way that we love him. But rather, he shows his love. He demonstrates it on the cross. And then he sends his spirit to begin to transform our hearts and he's faithful to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. So if you're led to despair this morning, Find life at the foot of the cross. Come daily to the cross and be reminded of the love that God has for you and how that love is producing in you love for others. So I started with a song. I'd like to end with one. The hymn writer William Reese wrote a song, Here is Love. I want you to hear how he describes the love of God. Hear the the words. Hear the water metaphor. Because the very same God who said, love one another, you know, the one who we go to and say, I can't, the love's ran out, I have nothing left to give. That's the very same Jesus who said, whoever believes in me will have fountains of living water flowing from their heart. It's a better source. That's what William Reese says. Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood, On the Mount of Crucifixion, fountains opened deep and wide. Through the floodgates of God's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers poured incessant from above. And heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love. Let us become a people so enamored with the love of God that his love produces in us a love for others as we're continually being transformed into the image of Jesus. Let it be said of Chelton, because of them, good flows on in the world. Find the source of your love in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask that you would, you would do a work in us that, that we can't in and of ourselves. We've tried to love others and... We're not good at it. We need you. You are the only source of love that does not run dry. So, Lord, as we examine our hearts this morning, would you bring us back to the cross? I pray that the spirit that is living inside of us would lead us not to guilt or to shame, not to feel like we need to try harder, but to simply come with hands open in full surrender at the foot of the cross. And God, thank you that we don't don't serve a God who is dead. We serve a God who is alive, who also said, all power and authority have been given to me. So Lord, would you continually make us, conform us into the image of Jesus, help us to look beyond ourselves and see a broken world in desperate need for a different kind of love. So God, I ask that the love which only comes from you would produce in our hearts genuine, sacrificial love for others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.